0: Back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Stereo Glass for coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, the Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports, Fantasy, Football, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, not only my shows, but also Raphael's shows, who's coming on in a second. If you can also do the same for him, if you can like, subscribe, share, follow, throw us out those Facebook gaming stars whenever you can, or whatever you can do to support our shows. Not only mine that I just mentioned, but also Raphael's shows, Run the Floor and NBA Draft Junkies. Plus, if you can also support and just go be part of the conversation today at LakerHolics.com, it is all truly appreciated. Well, what a day again for the NBA playoffs. No real nail biters again for the second day in a row but it was an interesting day for Lakers fans and a good one at that as the Lakers pulled away with some really good defense, some momentous blocks from LeBron James and hear that sound. That's actually, that's all, that's the train starting. That's the train starting because choo-choo, we're all going to get on the playoff Rondo train choo-choo choo-choo. And Laker Tom is the conductor of this train because playoff Rondo. Well, according to Twitter, I don't know about me yet, but 100% sold, but according to Twitter, playoff Rondo is a thing as he really made a great contribution today with 21 points, nine assists, steals. He just helped out on defense a lot too. I couldn't believe what I was watching. Playoff Rondo is a thing, and the Lakers did pull out a 112-102 to 102 victory. They really had a uh, made a comfortable lead in the fourth quarter and just never let it go. Just a great performance today from LeBron James, 36 points. Anthony Davis chipped in with 26. The Lakers got their third player. I don't know if it's going to be for continuous. I don't know if playoff rondo is going to stay a thing, but we'll talk about that and more, including, can you believe I'm going to say this? Milwaukee is headed home and gone fishing because Miami finally did the deal today and won four games to one in their series with a victory today. We're also going to be talking about Billy Donovan as well. But here today, first off, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to you, my friend. Got to go ahead and check out NBA Draft Junkies. It's got a big, huge library, a humongous library of videos waiting for you to peruse. If you're anything at all interested in the upcoming NBA Draft, which, as Raphael knows, is now up to you know up in the air on a date because they're going to change the date for that when free agency and the start of the next season we don't know when it's going to happen. I'm sure we'll know pretty soon though, but whenever the NBA draft ha- happens, you'll know and you'll have the lead up on it because you'll be checking out all the great videos today and be part of the 12,000 subscribers at NBA Draft Chunkies. Plus, don't forget his Run to Floor podcast as well. It is Rafael Barlow and Rafael. I'm going to ask you a question, my friend. You and I have okay. a great respect for Stone Hansen, who is, by the mm-hmm. way, a, a diehard Lakers fan. And I have much respect for him. And he's been great on this show. And I know he's done great as far as our NBA draft coverage and also the mock drafts that he's 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 been a part of. And if you could check it out on Twitter, it's at Report, Cor- Report Court. And if you can, just check out all the stuff that he writes for as well at draftsite.com. But when he tells me, or tells Twitter that he could watch Rondo play for eternity. I don't know, my <laughs> friend. I saw a great performance today, but I don't know if I'm really buying in 100% on playoff Rondo.
1: Well, playoff Rondo is real. It's, it's you know, no matter how how much you look at the numbers and say what he doesn't do, and for whatever reasons, when the lights are bright, He, I mean, he's there. I mean, remember the Chicago series and he made an impact there and he's done it for his, I mean, other than Sacramento, he didn't make the playoffs there. So you didn't get a chance to see play Rondo. But if you're not a believer after today, then I don't know what what will convince you because I think most Laker fans, I shouldn't say most. What about when he was with Dallas, Dallas?
0: when he really yelled himself out of Dallas?
1: You know, he quit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he quit. He took his ball and went home. But, um, <laughs> you know, that's such a short memory. It, you know, it's one of those things where you forgot it happened. But, I mean, there was a point where I thought Rondo was almost out of the league because he kept bouncing around from Dallas to Chicago to Sacramento to New Orleans. And then, I mean, he wasn't getting much money from the Lakers. And he might be useless during the regular season, you know. Whatever he does during the first 82 means absolutely nothing because, like I said, playoff Rondo was real. And I know uh, Laker Tom wants to wants to talk, but one of the things that I I never thought about what Rondo does and what he provides is he allows LeBron to be able to like run the floor. And then LeBron is the Lakers' best post, post player, in my opinion. I mean, you can say AD, the numbers, but AD isn't strong enough to, to maintain a good low post position. Not Narrow not right hips, now. skinny legs. He can get pushed out. If Braun decides to duck in, there's nobody that's going to be able to stop him from getting low post position. And then he's his... And what he was doing today was he was catching the ball in the post and he was just making quick shots before the defense could react. So the thing that I'm scared about well, the NBA and everybody should be scared about going forward is wait until they figured out a LeBron and Rondo pick and roll. If they add that to the offense, it's going to be tough to stop because you have two guys that are the best passers that are going to be the best passers on the court in the action. So, once the Lakers figured it out that it, it's, it's looking like there's going to be a parade on uh is it officially Kobe Bryant Boulevard now?
0: I hope so. I hope so. I want to ask you this before we head to Laker Tom. And that is this, you know, I know he argues on every play, but he gets like Shaq. He gets, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I, I have a little bit of bias, but I don't usually like to go ahead and, and, and show off that bias, but seemingly he gets hit on every single play. And, even when he doesn't, uh, when it works on defense, there's sometimes like when he didn't even touch someone, but they, the referee just assumed he was touching him and was going to foul him in half court right there as they were you know, like try to stop a break. He still gets called for it. So I don't know if he's getting on the refs too much because to, there's a point where I think the refs just want to just turn him off. But I think it's getting very close to that point because he's arguing on virtually every single play. I understand he gets hit on almost every single play. And I understand that, and I understand that, but they're not going to call it every single play. They're just going to say to what level is he getting fouled? I think it's just come to that point now. They're not just going to call it a straight up foul or not foul.
1: Well, I think there were two plays that I think the one play where the ball went out of bounds on Gordon, LeBron fouled Gordon. They didn't call that. (laughs) And then the next play, he didn't touch Westbrook. And he got the ref to change the call. Like, how, no, does, how often is no, that? No, they didn't change, no, they the, didn't call. change
0: the call. They, he thought about it, but then the other referee said, don't change your call just because LeBron <laughs> was yelling at him. So but, he, he, they,
1: but he got that ref to change the call. Yeah. But it, and it, they had
2: to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so That was just uh, an anticipation of a, of a stop a fast break foul, you know? That's, yeah. The ref just made the call on him what he thought was going to happen in the game. And, LeBron wasn't going to waste a foul on that particular situation.
0: I just think LeBron has to realize that he is not going to get every time he goes to the basket. He, even though he is fouled every, every time he goes to the basket, he is not going to get that call. But the problem is, if he continues to yell at these refs, not only are they going to tee him up, they're just going to stop listening to him at all when there's something even more valid that comes up. That's what I'm worried about. When you, when you just yell too much, like Beverly, like, but you know, like, like those, like those players that constantly are yelling so much to the point where the rest absolutely don't want to hear anything you have to say.
1: Well, I don't think a ref is going to tee LeBron up and eject him in a close game. I think once he gets that first tee, that he can probably say whatever he wants to say, because no ref wants to be the one that ejects LeBron for whatever. Um, yeah, I mean I think that he does get fouled on every play, but it's tough because he initiates the contact also. So you have to decide, it's like with Harden when he's driving to the, the rim, you know, but he gets yeah. the call. Yeah, he Harden does a probably a better job of sneaking it in because he'll hook your arms yep. and he'll he'll, you know, he'll move the ball around or he'll go he'll he throw gets, up
0: his arms out like he was shooting.
1: Yeah. Um but LeBron is just straight power and he's hitting his guy first and they, they fall back, but he gets fouled every play and some of them are bang, bang calls. I think he'll, he'll get more free throws than he'll get offensive files for sure. And I think also bigger... and
0: hold on. And also here today, want to go ahead and mention him as well, but he's coming in right now. You got to go and check out what he's doing as far as articles, including one on Rondo himself. It is Laker Tom from Lakerholics.com. Go ahead, Laker Tom. I just wanted to give you a proper introduction so everybody knows. Who's, Thanks, the, guy that, who's the guy that's going to go ahead and, and just talk about how great playoff Rondo is for the next 45 minutes? I'll try
2: not to do that, but uh, I first want to make a comment about uh, LeBron getting fouled. There's a difference between, and it reminds me a lot of what happened with Shaq in, in when he was playing that it's almost impossible to stop the guy without getting fouled. And the NBA is a league where aggression usually always pays off. You know, I mean, that's, if you're going to the basket hard, you you get the benefits of the call most of the time. But I think the difference is, is that LeBron has a level of respect that, and then and this is why I really cringed at your comparison with Pat Bev. He has a level of respect that somebody like Patrick Beverly doesn't have in this game, both for what he's done on the court and what he's done off of the court. And so I don't think that all of the complaining is going to hurt LeBron. I think he needs to do that. The Lakers need to send film in showing how many times he's fouled in order just to get that game to be called reasonably fair for him.
0: They don't need um, to send it very far now, since everybody's no. all down. Into- <laughs> they, so just, they just need rate, to go down um, the hallway into one of the rooms and get you know right, right. Adam Silver's right there.
2: So I wrote an article on on playoff Rondo that that he's the real deal and that the Lakers should start him. Um, and, uh, I realized when I wrote that article that there was a chance that I could be eating my words because even in the games, even in the playoffs where he's been terrific, there have been, you know, there have been games where he didn't, didn't come through. Um, but he, he came through today really great. And, and I thought that, uh, he was the difference maker in the game. And I, and I hope that uh, at some point in time, uh, Frank Bogle will start him. I think it's a smart move to make.
0: Well, I want to ask you this right now. This, they did make a change, start the second half. Uh, yep. And Laker, Tom, I want to go ahead and hit you up with this first. You've got your wish granted. Now, JaVale McGee didn't do such a bad job in the first quarter. I mean, they when he went out, it was tied, if I'm not mistaken, 17-17 or, or something close to that uh, when he went out. He had a plus so, one, he had a plus, one
2: uh, plus minus for the so, game.
0: So, okay, so they were they were leading at the at the end. Of, but, it, you know, regardless, it wasn't – it wasn't overwhelming. It wasn't just like, "Oh wow, you know they were doing so great." So when they came out he in the second more half,
2: Then he had rebounds, points, or assists.
0: Yeah. So when <laughs> so when they came out and he
2: allowed more three pointers than he had points, rebounds, or assists.
0: Okay, I, we're getting your point there. So when <laughs> they came out in the second half, uh, they did come out with Marcus. Uh, excuse me, Markeith Morris at <laughs> the center position, and obviously the first thing I thought was Laker Tom has got at least somewhat like that move i know rajon rondo you were asking for but at least Mar- morris is a step i think in the right direction
2: i was willing to i was willing to take one of any four players substituting for him and i and i'm really only you have to remember i'm really only talking about the rockets game i'm not talking about against the next team i'm just a believer that you match up in the playoffs you may not do it in a regular season but in the playoffs you have to match up and you have to adjust
0: and and he uh, didn't give you the numbers that he did the previous game but defensively he's not he doing that play. bad. He's doing a good job. He's providing he's a big body. Behind
2: the, he's got gravity behind the three point line. You have to defend him. Um I'm going to give Frank Vogel a shout out here because I've been on Vogel uh, for the last week and so and I even made some comments today that that you know I couldn't believe this uh First off, I there was a big argument on Lakerholics.com about well, if Javel couldn't go, would Vogel would actually stick Howard in there to start the game? Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was just aghast at that suggestion by somebody on the on the site. Um, but I think that, that Frank Vogel is finally listening because he did several things that I've been lobbying for really strongly, not only me, but dozens of people who follow the Lakers, dozens of broadcasters and so forth who follow the Lakers. Um, And he came out in the second half with that first move, which was to bench JaVale McGee and put in Markeith Morris. Um, He could have put Kyle Kuzma in, I would have been happy with. He could have put Rondo in, I would have been happy with. Um, I would have been happy even with Caruso. Um, But he did something else, which I think was even more impressive in my mind. Um, which is he's constant. We've played small ball all year long, but it's really not the kind of small ball that works against a team like the Rockets or a team like the Clippers or a team like the Bucks uh, or Miami teams that wall you up and and basically clog up the paint and want to make make sure that you can't that LeBron can't attack the basket. And so what he did, especially it's almost exclusively in the fourth quarter. Was he ran five out sets? He spread the floor the entire time. That's why LeBron was able to get down in the post. That's why LeBron was able to drive for the basket. And, and, and that was just what I've been screaming for him to do, which is not just play small ball, but play it the right way. Don't just send Anthony Davis in there to get butchered by PJ Tucker because he doesn't have the you know, you, you you can't take a guy with a low center of gravity like Tucker and think that that a guy with a high center of gravity like AD is going to move him but but Raphael is absolutely right lebron can move him and well,
0: he did Well, pj tucker and, i will say this that he is providing such uh you know a lift for houston and he's such so strong he's he's moving ad way off the block all you're seeing is turnarounds turnarounds step backs you're seeing low percentage shots from ad I'm glad that AD is still effective, and yep. he seems to be more he's effective. Them. Yeah, he's making <laughs> them, and he's making doing a lot of things off the ball or on the break or on the run that's that's helping him get his numbers. But you know what? It's not because P.J. Tucker isn't giving a, a, the 100% or isn't doing a great job defensively. Speaking of defensively, I want to go ahead and real, touch on real quick with Rafael. That fourth quarter, the Lakers really locked down the Rockets. I want to hear your thoughts on how they got this done because – Basically, it was an even game through three quarters, and it just seems like not only defensively that they were able to lock everything down, but it just also seemed to me like Houston got worn down by whatever the Lakers were throwing at them.
1: I, what I think happened was I felt like they closed out on all the shooters, and they understood that Houston doesn't want to take mid-range shots. And so once the guys would try to attack the closeout, they weren't necessarily a threat after that, because AD was there, then LeBron was, you know, he was blocking shots. So you have to think about, man, not only do I have to try to get past AD, LeBron is flying on the weak side. And then if Westbrook is in, LeBron is not guarding Westbrook or Davis is not guarding Westbrook off the ball. So it definitely um, made them think twice about going to the basket. And since they're not taking mid-range shots, then it's like they just, Car closed dish. out, driving drive driving dish to guys who weren't open. And so I think all of that was sparked by LeBron when he threw a block party. Once he blocked those two shots, I think that guys were discouraged. I mean, I think last game, Gordon was just killing the Lakers on straight line drives to the rim. And today, I don't know if he made a late. I think he was like two for 10. So I know one shot was a three or two for nine maybe. I don't remember him getting to the basket today
0: he made two threes i, I believe I'm, I'm yeah mistaken,
1: so. and and then also when they couldn't collapse the defense pj tucker couldn't get a shot i mean i don't PJ did he take tucker, three shots today
0: <laughs> he took three shots uh he only had three points so i mean if you can keep on doing that because he did hit that uh what that uh one corner three and that was it And then, like you said, Eric Gordon was just pretty much a non-factor with only 10 points, and they need that to be effective. Jeff Green did chip in with 16 at a high percentage, but still, when you're talking about, again, for the second game in a row, Houston hitting 40% of your threes, and you're still lost two in a row, that's really telling you something, Laker, Tom.
2: Yeah, I think – the big difference is the big difference that the Lakers did defensively was doubling Harden. They started the second half not only without DeVale in there and spreading the spreading out on offense with five out sets, but they also doubled Harden every single time down the court, and they they doubled him up high when, as soon as he crossed the half court run. And then it was a game, you know. Then you play that rotation game where they're going to throw it. They're, they're playing four against three on the Lakers. But the Lakers did a fabulous job of recovering, and and the guys on the double team got back in. They were able to not only challenge shots, and but where they got all of their turnovers was playing the passing lanes. They were able to intercept those passes and then ignite the fast breaks, and and we won the fast break thing. You know, with just with just amazing statistics. In the first half, we had zero points on fast breaks. We ended up with ten in the second half. In the first half, we had 10 turnovers. We had only five in the second half. In points off of turnovers, we had none in the first half at all. And uh, we ended up winning the the paint game, and we dominated in the boards, 43 to 30. Um, But everything was the defense in the fourth quarter. They got 20 points, which included five points that were done in garbage time. So basically, we held them when the game was on the line to 15 points in the fourth quarter, This game, 17 points in the fourth quarter of the last game. And that was as good a defense as I've seen the Lakers play. I thought the defense this time was even better than it was uh, on Sunday's game. Uh, It's a huge thing, and I agree 100% with what Raphael is saying. The whole thing was inspired by LeBron James' four blocks. But that's the big difference when you go into a defense. See The whole thing about the Lakers playing small ball and playing it the right way is they did the same thing on defense to the Rockets as the Rockets have been doing on them, which is the activity you get from having five smaller, faster players running around there. And you put JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard out there in the court, they cannot cover the ground that these guys can cover. They can't make those rotations. They're not good enough or fast enough and quick enough that you can double team a guy like Harden and make it work. So it all goes in line with, you know, I give Frank Bogle kudos for making the adjustments that he needed to make. And he showed me a lot in the second half of this game. Um, it's the Lakers in five and it's going to happen that way.
0: I want to go ahead and throw out some comments real quick. Nigel Dalton, thank you for watching the show and program. I really appreciate it. He said Vogel started double hardened in the second half as well. So I think that was also kind of a factor. Do You think he handled the double teams well, or do you think it was, that might've been an issue as far as, why they just couldn't really start to produce well in the fourth quarter, Rafael? Uh,
1: Well, I thought they made an adjustment in the first half. Houston was killing them with the Harden high pick and roll. And once he got the screen high, he was able to get into the teeth of the defense and get some layups. In the second half, I think they just kind of switched it up a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I think the Lakers defense played phenomenal. Like I said, it was sparked by LeBron just houston did not have that third score and and in my opinion i think this series is going to come down to two things who's ever shooting the ball better between westbrook and rondo because if one of them is off then that means off the ball, their man is going to be basically playing free safety and then i think um who's ever third score third or fourth score plays better which today they got good uh, contribution out of Rondo and Kuzma to cutter. Kuzma killed them with activity. Cut well, you heard Van
0: Gundy saying it right there because in the first half they were very stagnant on offense and nobody was moving. And it was very irritating. You could, you could feel the irritation from Stan Van Gundy on his commentary that he just wanted someone to move and Kuzma is a good cutter and he can really get it done when he decides to go ahead and do so.
2: Yeah. And when you got two guys like LeBron and, and Rondo Gonna in the backcourt, court, basically, then that's when you really want to cut the other thing was that it's just opening it up. It's that five-out sets that they ran in the second half that allowed all of those open cuts to be made, and uh, and as well as LeBron posting up and then LeBron driving to the basket several times for easy layups at the end of the game. Um, this is a formula that I just hope that Frank understands and and comes out and just run it from the very beginning of the game. You don't need to just wait around. It, it, it's It's what really works best against a team like the Rockets. And it's a formula that we're going to need down the road when we pay other teams that, that play similar style of basketball. Um, Miami, they play very much the same. A center that can stretch the floor. They spread the court out like that. Uh, the Clippers, basically, even though they, they play with a traditional center, their whole drop coverage thing is all based upon um, being able to clog the paint. And the way you beat that is with small ball, not just having five, four guys out and trying to pitch the ball into Anthony Davis, who's not really a back to the back to the basket center, but by spreading the floor out. And then the Davis beat his man from the outside. Also, you need to open up the lanes, and so that people can attack the basket.
0: One thing I want to go ahead and hit you up with, Laker Tom, in a second. But Rafael, Jamie, Sweet. Chimed in uh, on Facebook and wanted to ask: The Rockets are, in my opinion, too one-dimensional. Give a guy like LeBron and Rondo some game film to go over, and the little tricks they use to get loose to start. It. You know, they that they, whatever they're doing right as far as Houston in previous games, it starts to evaporate. Do you think Houston is a little bit too one-dimensional? But you said before this is really all they can do.
1: Yeah, I mean they're they're all in with this style, and. um you know, they shot well from three, which you would expect if they shot like the way they shot that it would be tough to beat them. But the problem is. I don't think they got up enough threes that they wanted to. Um,
0: they fell in love with a lot of twos today. I'm going to say that. Yeah. 33. 30. So
1: Over they took the 30. same amount as the
2: Lakers. Yeah. yeah, and you and but this and, is a team that 54 a game. Yeah, this yeah. is a team
0: that wants to put up 60s. So when you're shooting half your threes right there, even it's uh, you know even if it's at a good percentage, it's still kind of a detriment. And Houston, it loses in that fact when they're not putting up that many threes.
1: Yeah, they weren't they weren't able to get the ball to the corners. And a lot of times when they get the ball to the corners, they're able to swing it and then get the you know the open threes from the slot. So they couldn't get to to the corners. Tucker didn't get up enough shots. Um, I don't know if it was the Lakers' defense early in the game that that was forcing Houston to get to the basket or was that their game plan to come out and try to get guys in foul trouble. I know it, it, it was clear that they were trying to get Westbrook going early, which they did get him going. He just wasn't able to really do anything until the fourth quarter when they were down by eight, it seemed like it. But to me, the biggest play of the game for the Lakers was, and I call it a bomb, when Rondo hit that bomb three. Where that he just clock running out three. Yeah. Because I know there was a play earlier where I thought Houston played good defense. It might have been KCP who gave the ball to Davis, and it was, and we call it a bomb when they give you the ball with two seconds left on a shot clock because somebody didn't want to take the bad shot and they just throw it to you. So I, I felt like the Rockets played good defense. And AD got a bomb, and he, he missed the shot roughly at the elbow extended. And then maybe a couple possessions later, the Rockets played great defense, got it all the way down, and Rondo hits. If it's LeBron is one thing, it's a backbreaking shot. But when Rondo hits that three, it's like a momentum killer. And it's just hard to recover from that when it's a guy who you haven't been guarding at the three-point line all day. He makes a couple. I think he was three or five today. Yep. But he makes a, a leaning, contested three at the yeah, end of I the shot her. clock. Yeah. It's demoralizing. And it, is- put
2: it, in, it also gave the Lakers the first lead over three, over four points at that point in time. I think it was a six-point lead when they made that shot. So
0: Lakers took tough- it was a backbreaker. I couldn't agree with you guys more. So Laker, Tom, before we head on to the other two topics of the day in the NBA, want to get your last thoughts on this. So you were kind of hinting towards it. Do you think Frank Vogel will finally relent? Because Raphael and I probably are leaning the other way. But do you think he'll finally relent and make a change in the starting lineup for Game 4?
2: I'm sort of 50-50 of whether he'll do it or not because he's been on in- – incredibly obstinate about making adjustments and I think a lot of it in this particular game was he realized that he can't go down one to two against these guys you know and so he made that change Uh, now he may be a little cocky after the way that we were able to turn our defense up again in the fourth quarter Um, but I don't I, I think regardless of whether he starts JaVale or not I always predicted that we would be able to beat the beat the Rockets regardless of, of what Frank did, as long as he made adjustments. Um, as long as he used the minutes in correctly. Um, and I, I love the I love the changes as I said that he did he went into the double team. He started he didn't start Javale to start the second half. And most importantly he spread the offense out instead of and, and took took A D out of the middle and start using him to set picks for LeBron on the outside. He's still, you know, it's still a go-to shot to try to get AD, those long two-pointers. And I'm fine with that because once AD gets going in that, it, you know, it's a lot like, it's a lot like Kawhi Leonard. It, it, it's a shot that's not an analytics favorite, but he shoots such a high percentage of him when he gets hot like that, that, that you got to count on that. And, and sometimes in the playoffs, those are the kind of shots that, you know, that Michael used to make and Kobe used to make that won championships. So even though I'm an analytics-oriented uh, person as far as the game goes, I've never gone as far as Dan Tony did to want to dec- deny uh, mid-range shots. You know, there's time and place for those shots, and and we made them. So I think that I think there's a good chance that that he'll consider starting Rondo though, um, because I think the, one of the stats that's really that I tried to highlight in the article that I wrote is that, and the same thing is true this, to, in this game that. In many ways, you think of Rondo and you think, well, he's the guy that should be on the court when LeBron is sitting, you know, because that's really one of our weaknesses that when LeBron goes off the court, we don't seem to be able to hold that up. But the reality of that is, is you're taking the best player in the league off of the court. And so, of course, you're not going to hold it up. And if you look at all of the stats from the five-player statistics, in the last game and in this game, you'll find the same thing that the four, in the last game, it was the four best five-player combinations were combinations with Rondo and LeBron in the game. It wasn't with Rondo and LeBron on the bench. It was with the two of them together because Rondo unleashes LeBron to be aggressive and to be a scorer. And that's really what the Lakers need. It's one thing for LeBron to be passing the ball around to four guys who really, honestly, aren't great knockdown three-point shooters but it's a different thing entirely for Rondo to be able to get the ball to LeBron in the right spots where he can damage it. And, you know, he makes, he makes good choices on when to get, when and whom to give the ball to. And that's something that, you know, you can't even, you even look at his stats. I looked at, I compared in that article, his stats for the regular season career versus his stats in the playoffs. And they're dramatically different. They're dramatically higher. They're 20 to 25% higher in every case. Um, consistently through there. And the last time he was in the playoffs was against Portland. And we all know what happened in that particular series. Raphael probably watched that series and watched playoff Rondo. So you know the guy is real. The mm-hmm. legend of playoff Rondo is true. And I'd love to see Frank go with that. Now, I don't know whether that's the situation that we want to use in when we go forward. But the one thing is is that Rondo's not afraid to take that damn shot. You know, he didn't, he sat there and he took the shots and he made them. Uh, he made three out of five. He was the best three-point shooter on the floor today. In the games against Portland in that playoff in 2018, he shot 41% from three. So, at any rate, playoff Rondo is real. We're going to see a lot of him. He's going to become an important part of this team. And I think we're going to see him in every single series that we're going forward be an important factor
0: way to answer the question with a non-answer and then do a promo for your article on top of it there you go
1: (laughs) this is Raphael from nbadraftjunkies.com and you are listening to the lakers fast break
0: hey lakers fans looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news information original videos articles podcasts opinion pieces and discussions about the los angeles lakers Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Okay, there's a good chance Frank Vogel will think about it. So I ask you i i I already know he's not going to do it, so
1: he doesn't need to. They're up two one you can start JaVale. you can play him for six minutes and then you can just Get not start him in the second half.
0: I think that's what they're gonna stick with to to not bruise too many eagles. We're already bruising dwight howard's ego uh quite a bit <laughs> with a second uh you know sit down of the of the playoff so far twice in a row of coaching decisions not not getting any time in so you can already know that that somewhere dwight howard is seething somewhere in orlando right now so uh, there's already going to be another hard feelings if you go ahead and sit javel down which again you shouldn't really care about if it's the playoffs i don't i don't i don't don't think javel would act that way i really seriously
2: don't and and also too the other thing you got to factor the other thing you got to factor is frank often does what he thinks and whether he talks with LeBron and AD about it or not it's LeBron and AD who have kept the focus on Rondo and how important he is to the Lakers and so i don't think you can discount the fact that LeBron and AD would like to see him start i really believe that and if you watch the second half start. if you watch the second half though listen we got off again to a slow start We got off to basically a whole full quarter that was basically, or that first six or seven minutes that was wasted times, and and it wasn't like the games where we can blow anybody out. We never, you don't want to go into the third quarter and have to know that you're going to have to play lockdown defense in order to win the game. You know, we need some blowouts along the way. You can't go through seven games of that type of, of heavy competition where the game is always on the line going into the fourth quarter. It will come back and bite you at some point in time. And Frank Bogle knows that and LeBron James knows that. And Anthony Davis knows that. Rafael. So I you... think that there'll be I think that there's a good chance that there'll be pressure for him to do this. And you can explain it to Javel by simply saying, Ja it's the matchup. Soon as we get to the next round, you're gonna start. Rafael and go... probably all the way rest through the playoffs, you're probably gonna start. Go ahead, Rafael. But we'll not take a chance with a team like this that's playing a totally different style than anybody else.
0: Okay, okay, Laker Tom. You got you you, you got it covered, my friend. Go ahead, okay. Raphael.
1: I just think too much emphasis is being made on who starts. It's all about who finishes. It doesn't matter who starts. We know that JaVel is not going to be on the court to finish games. And we know more than likely Rondo and Kuzma, if not both, will be on the floor. So does it matter if, if JaVel plays six minutes at the beginning of the game and he doesn't get in the rest of the game? To me, it doesn't matter. As long as we
2: don't fall way behind it, probably fine.
1: Well, I mean, how if you fall down by 20 in six minutes, that's that's one thing. But I don't well, think in six in minutes. in a minute Javale... and a half
2: when we fell down, we had an eight-point lead turn into a one-point deficit in one and a half minutes.
1: And I don't think that was all on Javel. No, it's a
2: team <laughs> game. Of course, it wasn't all on JaVale, it's, but It's a team game, he yeah. He did turn the ball over once, and he did allow one of the three-point shots. And and then immediately there was a change made. Now I guess under I guess he hurt himself in one of those plays. I never saw what play that was that he turned an ankle. And more waiters get hurt. And I know that, I know that they called timeout. out. Yeah. A minute and a half gone into the into the third quarter of the game last on Sunday, and he didn't come back out onto the court.
0: Well, there is going to be a lot of decisions made. You can you can lose a lot in, in a minute and a half. In seven minutes,
2: you could you could really fall behind. I think that there was a reaction there that Vogel saw that he just had to make a change. He had to play small against these guys or we weren't going to have a chance.
0: Well, I think there's going to be a lot of decisions made over the next couple of days in regards to what Houston might be able to tinker with, but obviously they can't do much in regards to what they do because like Rafael said, they're all in on what they're doing. I don't think the Lakers will make a change in the starting lineup and I think that it's going to frustrate Laker Tom even more. You know, it
2: doesn't it doesn't really frustrate me that much. Just like I was not tied down to any given one player starting. Um, as long as Frank goes out there and if he did the same thing as he did this game, I'd be thrilled. I, it wouldn't matter to me that if he started Javale for five or six minutes, as long as we end up playing five out and we end up playing small ball defense, then I think we'd be fine.
0: Well, there's also other games on the slate tonight, including or. The actually you know, the best news of the day if, if you're a Miami Heat fan and that was Miami uh, clinching their series four games to one over Milwaukee. I know we just lost uh, Raphael here real quick. I hopefully he'll be keep coming back on, but I wanted to go ahead and get uh, your thoughts on what's going on with that series. Look like with no Giannis, no Giannis because Giannis was out. For this game, his ankle just couldn't make it a go. Uh, It looks like it was just from there all downhill for Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, it's, this was something that that nobody really expected. I mean, everybody thought Miami was going to give them a good run. Um, And I thought Miami had a chance to beat them. But, you know, I was thinking six or seven games or something like that. I never thought it'd be a five game. And frankly, it could have easily been a sweep. Um, and the implications, the implications for the Milwaukee Bucks as a team, um, that really throws all of their, all of their plans up in the air. I don't know. I don't know Giannis enough to know how he's going to react to the whole situation. Um, you know, one end of the spectrum, there's that feeling that, okay, I can't win a championship here. I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, or let's say there's the second reaction, which is, well we got to make changes we got to make major changes or i'm not going to go anywhere else um my my initial instinct is to believe that he's not going to sign the Mac, the supermax deal that's on the table um i would be very surprised if he did but but there's a, also a part of me that wonders whether he may be the kind of guy who might want to do that deal
0: i'm saying yes i i told you before yeah. that i think he is signing in on it i think he's built differently as we're trying to go ahead and get... How important
2: uh, is winning is what it comes down to to him, you know? Uh,
0: and I agree with you on that. Uh, you know, I don't know how well Milwaukee can structure a... or just a viable championship contender because they've been doing a pretty good job so far during the regular season, and you think that they've got a really solid chance both years that they were involved in the playoffs. So I, I can't really fault that. I, I, I still think Budenholzer is still to me kind of the issue, the X factor here, because it, you know, again, maybe it's the minutes or maybe it's the way he structures his, his offense or something going on. Something is going wrong or amiss in the playoffs that they're just not executing properly. I also think them letting go, like Raphael mentioned before letting go of Brogdon. Yeah. Was I really the, like Brogdon and choosing him over Bledsoe was the big time mistake because he, there's now a, a Russell Westbrook ish type liability you have when you have him out there on the floor, because you, he can do all these other things, but the one thing he can't do consistently is shoot the ball.
2: I think, I think, I think what the problem that we're seeing with Milwaukee is very similar in some ways to the problem we're seeing with the Rockets being that the team is one dimensional Um, while the Rockets have basically structured their entire roster to only play one way. The Bucks have sort of done the same thing because they're built around Giannis. They're built with guys who basically are shooters, spot up shooters, not guys who can go out and get their own basket. The only guy on that team who can do that, uh, and he played, and, and I thought Chris played great. But Middleton's really the only other guy on that team that can go out and get his shot. The rest of the guys are are excellent catch and shoot jump shooters um, and a couple of good defenders, but. They don't have they don't have a style that can you know it's it's very much like the Rockets they can't change how they play and that was part of the problem that that when you build a team that's so one dimensional like that you don't have the flexibility I think one of the things that Rob Palenkin doesn't get enough credit for um, and I'll I'll even include Frank Vogel in in this in the sense that I think a lot of the way that Vogel has built this team around the two center defense. Of Dwight Howard and, and uh, Jamal McGee uh, has been something that's given us a lot of flexibility. And when they interviewed Frank, uh, one of the things he said in, during the game and in, in, in one of his interviews was that, you know, listen, we've played small ball all year long. Um, and I've had my problems with how he plays small ball because I never really felt that that AD was a good post-up player. Um, but the Lakers have flexibility to play different ways. They have different options to do. Um, Rondo definitely was another factor that came in, and, and so forth. And I, I think that's basically the Bucks' problem—that they built that team to only succeed if you can't stop Giannis. And Giannis is at the point where he still has to—he still has to evolve and get better at a lot of a couple of things before he's really before he's really a championship player.
0: You know what? I'm going to go ahead and ask Raphael right now. I mean, we saw the ending of the, the Bucks season tonight. Obviously very much premature from what a lot of peop- a lot of people thought out there because they were amongst a lot of people including out here in Vegas one of the favorites to go all the way and when Giannis did, could not make it for game 5, you you just saw that that feeling over there as far as when they even playing through the game that that Milwaukee really never stood a chance. What does this say for the Bucks organization going forward because you and I have also talked about not getting Brogdon, signing Bledsoe, you know, making the, the possibly some little tweaks that unfortunately could have been going one way but unfortunately went the other way for the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: Well, one I think that even though their season was over today, I feel like they shouldn't be too discouraged because i think they've shown that the they can they're competitive without Giannis and the ball moves and it's kind of like the the saying that um gortat made when john wall was out everybody eats when john wall isn't playing and so i think that they just may have to find different ways to allow everyone to have the ball when when yannis is on the court and i think. You know, I mean, it's still a long time between now and, and and next season, but they can't rely on him as much as they did. They have to find other ways, creative ways to, you know, allow him to get his points, but actually make sure that other guys are, are scoring also and the ball is moving instead of him just hard drive left, spin right, and then just throw the ball to somebody and, and they shoot. So that's one thing. Two – um, based off of the, the comments that Giannis made tonight, it looks like that he plans to stay in Milwaukee. Now, it's still early. We'll see if he signs the contract extension this summer. And we did see Kyrie say the same thing. Kyrie said it at a game with the mic in his hands in front of the, the home crowd that he was going to resign. But I, I, I don't think that Giannis is interested in joining up with another team or, or or moving because um i don't know if it was here on this podcast or another one but this is milwaukee is Giannis's hometown in the states like he probably doesn't go to la or miami at least and uh, from what i know once the season is over he goes home to athens so this is where he lives that why you know other guys may have homes in la during the summer or, or miami and all that so that's always like something that's that could possibly lure them away if they're in a small market but i think Giannis is going to be the exception so for milwaukee the future is it's uh it's not as bright as they were hoping it would be at the end of the season and i think that you know what well, i've seen the rumors starting tonight that they need to trade for chris paul i don't know what assets they have to get chris paul
2: expiring contracts man that's all you need
1: And, well, even then with OKC, like you still have to have a big contract on the roster to meet the minimum. And so unless they take Bledsoe or... I mean, of course, Bledsoe would have to be the key figure in the deal, but I still think there's like $20 million.
2: They They have to get up to like $33 million in order to make the trade work.
1: Yeah, and that's bledsoe and another big money player uh i am i'm sure they're gonna have to get some other teams involved but i think chris paul's agency is gonna want him in new york
0: i'll tell you what my friends it's going to be very interesting to see how milwaukee is going to play this out and i know you guys mentioned okc but before we hit okc up on the way out and what you guys are up to on your respective outlets i want to go and ask real quickly this laker tom is Miami now the favorite in the East? Yeah, I think so. There you go. Uh,
1: uh, I'm going to say I'm going to hold out until we actually have a matchup.
0: <laughs> All right. Fair enough, fair enough. Because the- I think
1: Milwaukee was, well, not to cut you off, I think Milwaukee, the way they play is a favorable matchup for Miami's defense. Just load up on one guy and, you know, Giannis doesn't necessarily have the big advantage because they have guys that are strong enough to, you know, to, to move with him. And, and, you know, they got two guys who only bam made all defense, but Jimmy Butler's an all defensive player. So they have two guys that are strong, agile, physical, Defenders that they can throw at him on top of Jay Crowder. So I think Miami's team was built to, you know, they were built to beat the Bucks. That's we'll who they asked isn't, yeah, so. isn't
0: it so funny that we were, I was watching today and somebody took a three pointer? It's like, oh yeah, that's Andre Iguodala. I forgot he was on the team because. Three uh, point per game average. Exactly. But also. Crowder, the guy they got in the same deal. That's what I was mm-hmm. going to say. He's a major
2: contributor.
0: That's exactly what I was going to say. The guy who was a throw-in ends up being the better player of the two. And Iguodala, we don't even see playing major defense against anyone. It's just, it's like he's become the forgotten individual in all this. And Crowder became the integral part of a Miami team. And also Tyler Hero as well.
2: And look at at Jeff Green's game. Jeff Green has been playing great in these playoffs. And he was somebody in the Lakers. Lakers could have easily gotten Jeff Green.
0: Oh, you're talking about for the Rockets. Yeah. So you're, I, yeah. you're hip hopping all over the place. So I'm like, okay. You know,
2: the guys that, the guys who were available that, that really turned out to be gems, you know, that really had an impact in the playoffs.
0: Uh, yeah, well, Rafi and I have gone over Jeff Green and Jeff Green, wasn't he like, you just... get good Jeff Green, you yeah. get a,
1: a very good player, but there's some times where you, he just, yep. just doesn't bring it consistently and i think for the lakers he wouldn't have got consistent minutes so he would have been like jr
0: ask utah (laughs) about jeff green you know ask ask several stops on his way i mean jeff green was supposed to be when he came out he was supposed to be one of those superstars for okc and just you know the it's just a it's a what-if scenario when it comes to jeff green so you you don't know which jeff green you're going to get but Getting back to Miami, I think they are a viable contender for the the title. I mm-hmm. think if anybody undersells them or undershorts them, I think they're they're just kidding themselves. They're they're playing with a lot of confidence, and confidence can get you a long way in the bubble.
2: And they they got shooters, you know. Mm-hmm. They're, they're they're maybe of you know, the teams left in the playoffs, they're probably the best shooting team that's out there.
1: Shooters you know? and strong defenders, and another yeah, thing that coach, they have: great is... coach who
2: makes adjustments. Is mm-hmm. not afraid to.
1: But they have multiple guys that can make plays for others so you don't know like who actually is initiating the offense on any given possession sometimes it can be bam sometimes it can be jimmy playing pick and roll sometimes it can be dragged off the bench um eagle dollar can still initiate the offense so they're they're a tough team i mean on paper they may not look like a great team but they they have defenders they have shooters and they have versatility so they're going to be a tough out.
2: They are. They're be the tough only, out. They're the only team that's going to be has a shot at the finals that has cap space to add another superstar.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Yep. There's been a lot of great things that Jamie Sweet's been adding. Uh, you know, he's been saying so much about what's going on. So I appreciate Jamie Sweet checking us out. Uh, he he like uh, he agrees. Miami did show us something in that series. Uh, and I'll tell you what, right now, there's a lot of things to look forward to. If you're a Miami fan, Jimmy B, Jamie Sweet, you're so funny. Jamie, Jimmy B, Jimmy B. Uh, but again, for Jamie Sweet, he also said, one thing that could be a positive for Mo- Milwaukee is convincing Bledsoe to be the second unit hero. I don't know if he'll want to become a sixth man on, on he's the Milwaukee. He's got too
2: big of a salary that they need for the trade that they're going to have to bring somebody else in. Yeah, or I agree. not going to stay.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, my friends, it's going to be very did interesting. The
2: just won't let him stay unless they make changes.
0: Yes, well, it is going to be very interesting to see what the future lies for Milwaukee and also Miami if they can go all the way. But before we head on out, uh, kind of a surprising change, although Rafael probably has the best guess why that happened, was that Oklahoma City and coach Billy Donovan, who is just two points away from being right now where the Houston Rockets are right now, and he was dismissed today, but it seemed like a mutual parting of the ways. So I want to hear your thoughts, Raphael on why it happened and give the people out there and listeners the insight on what could be next for both OKC and Billy Donovan.
1: But I don't know if you had a chance to see, but I know Chris Paul made like a video thanking everybody after the season was over. It sounded like a goodbye to me. That's what it sounded like. And I think What's that? He's going the Lakers. And then Devin Booker and Bradley Beal also?
2: Yeah. No, we can't afford, we can't afford Beal. He'll, he'll, get a, he'll get a bigger deal. He'll, he'll get a more lucrative trade than what we can offer. But Chris's contract is, you know, it's, it's going to take somebody who's willing to really, really take on a, a contract that is a killer, $85 million over the next two years, because you know he's not going to turn down a player option for $45 million.
0: We're getting back to, We're getting back to Billy Donovan and OKC and all that because those Chris Paul dream rumors uh you know okay whatever. But go ahead Raphael on on your thoughts and continue them on on OKC and, and Billy Donovan.
1: But yeah, it sounded like a a goodbye as if he is anticipating not being back and then um I actually talked to a parent of a player that is a projected um he's projected to be in a lottery but he said that he had a really long interview his son had a really long interview with the thunder and i was like well they're not picking in the range he's projected to go so he said you know what they may be looking to make some trades and maybe they're just doing their due diligence but for a long interview for like i think he says like a three-hour interview for seems like they're pretty serious and so um but he did mention that um to his knowledge that the Thunder knows that Schroeder is looking for a big, you know, a big contract. I think he still has like 15 million left on his deal for next year. And then, you know, of course, Gallinari is a free agent. And so knowing that if they keep that team together, they're not expected to be a championship team, but you don't want to extend those guys and then have a, a huge payroll for a team that's going to, possibly not even be in the playoffs next year with Portland being healthy and Golden State coming back in the picture. So it does make sense for for them to possibly look to dump some salaries and completely rebuild like we expected them to this year. And I'm guessing Billy Donovan just didn't want to be part of a rebuild. And with the vacancies that are open, he can go to Philly, he can go to New Orleans, Chicago. Um, I think for him it makes – it makes more sense. And so I think that I don't think he was fired. I just think that he knew that there's other jobs open. His name is hot because he did such a good job coaching this year. You know, he got criticized a lot because he couldn't win. And, and, uh, because, he, you know, you, when he had
0: those players, when he had the KDs and Russes and yeah. all that,
1: but they were up three, one with him. Uh, and then, you know, without him, I mean, I think people are starting to see that it can be tough to have a winning offense in the playoffs with Russ because he's your—he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he's just not a good decision maker. You got to win or die with him, and obviously their offense was a lot better this year without Russell Westbrook. So I think for him, it gave him an opportunity to show that he can coach and that he he does have an offense because think I'm, how many times he was criticized for like having no offense <laughs> and not having any plays. So I think his name is hot and this is the time to to strike and get a another four or five year deal with an another young team and you know, just kind of go from there. And then also, I mean, I think there's gonna be some big college jobs that could possibly be available if he sits out this year with Texas or maybe even a USC or, or whatever. So he's going to have plenty of options. And so, like, he was hot, you know. His name is – is he didn't get fired. Yeah. So it sounds
0: like it. Sometimes.
1: Yeah. Laker, Tom, any last
0: thoughts on Billy Donovan before we catch up with what you guys are doing and head on out? No, I
2: thought that uh, Raphael pretty much summarized it. I, I think also from OKC's standpoint, you know, the last thing they wanted to do was to – to uh, sign a coach like Billy for that situation and, and pay him the amount of money that he would be demanding since he is hot right now. So it, it looked like a mutual situation. And, and I and I think that, you know, they're definitely going to be rebuilding. You know, this is the time. They've got the draft picks and so forth. They're going to get rid of – I think somebody will take Chris's contract off. Um, and, I, and I think Gallinari is going to leave as a free agent. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if they traded a trader. Schroeder, um, you know it, it's time for them now to 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 take advantage of all of these deals that they made and and so forth. And uh, their general manager has done Presley's done a terrific job, um, and uh, it's time to cash in now and and start the process.
1: I agree because I think they wouldn't be a lottery team if they came back next year, but they would be too good to have a high pick yeah, they'd, be, so they'd be one of those
2: dead middle spots which they just don't want to mm-hmm.
1: be yeah you got really to be really bad or
2: too good to lose yep, yep.
0: they're going to have even more assets i mean we're talking about the team right now that has probably more assets than anyone for the next 10 years yep. and they're going to be in a situation off season that they're going to have the availability of getting even more assets and coming out of it with even more assets for the next sure. decade. So if they take a step back to go two steps forward, that's a very brilliant plan. And Sam Presti done a great job of doing that. Has he built the the title winning team? No, he's not, but he's come very close to it and he's been building some great teams He's been pretty good as far as his track record. Not perfect, but he's been pretty good in his track record during the draft. So I think that's what he's gambling on doing, restarting and rebuilding this team again. And they went above and beyond expectations. So I think Billy Donovan will end a job. I know we're going to hear a lot about his name and also all the other names that are out there as far as the coaches coming up in the next few weeks. So it'll be interesting to see where we're at. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. The better that these Marvel films do, the higher the standards are going to be for not just other films in general, but other
1: Marvel films also. I think it's really hard to end a show with this many fans in a satisfying way.
0: That's the Pop Culture Cosmos show
1: and the PCC Multiverse,
0: playing worldwide on radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. But I know Raphael, it's late for you, my friend. So before we head on out, I want you to go ahead and give everyone an update on what you're up to with NBADraftJunkies.com and your awesome YouTube page, NBA Draft Junkies.
1: I feel like I say it uh, every night. It's the same every day, and every day is the same. I uploaded a video uh, today where I had a, a guest come in and talk about his, his big board, his mock draft. And uh, it was a hot take. He had Tyrese Halliburton at number two, so I put that up. I have another video that I'll put out tomorrow for sure with Henry Henry Drill, who's an Italian prospect. Uh, I did an interview with him, and um, he's, he's projected to go maybe – mid second round. So I have that up tomorrow and then I'll have the, the grand Ruler piece I've been plugging for the last couple of days. So I should possibly have up to three videos up tomorrow.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that and that is NBA draft junkies on YouTube where you will see, as I'm showing everybody on Facebook live rows after rows after rows, full of prospect videos, mock drafts, the whole nine yards it's available right now for you. Be among the over 12,000 subscribers today at NBA Draft Junkies. And last but certainly not least, there he is right there, Playoff Rondo. you got to go ahead and check out his latest article right there, Playoff Rondo at Lakerholics.com. So tell us what you have in the works now after a Lakers win at Lakerholics.com.
2: Well, we got several new things going uh, on our uh, podcast page. We just uh, put in a new complete RSS feed for all Laker Fast Breaks podcasts. Um, so you can see, I think, I think there's like 40 or 50 podcasts that are listed on this thing. It goes, actually, it goes 10 pages times 50 times five per page. So there's like 50 podcasts there. And I think there may be more pages that, that click on it. So it's basically you have an opportunity there to go and listen to every single Gerald Glassford podcast. Or Lakers fast break. In You've one been there for a week, and uh, and believe me, there there's just some great stuff on it. Uh, uh, those of you who've listened to us, uh, I call Gerald a podcast extraordinaire uh, because he really he really knows how to engage his audiences and to make his guests uh, ask him the right questions and and give them opportunities to to plug the things that they're talking about and, and what the things that they feel passionate about. Um, I've got several different articles working. Uh, one of them is the four players that I think could replace, uh, would be good choices to replace, um, McGee for the rest of the rocket series. Um, I'm working on another article that is basically why the Lakers should make a deal for Chris Paul. Uh, and then I've got a third article I'm working on, uh, and these articles will probably drop on the days when I don't have a Laker game, or whether it wasn't a Laker game the night before, because usually I'll do something more timely. But I've got another article that, uh, and this has started with me before Giannis and Milwaukee had their little hiccup and didn't make didn't make it out of the out of the second round. And that's basically why I think that uh, the Lakers would be smart not to pursue Giannis this time. And a lot of it has to do with the timing uh, the fit, uh, the opportunity cost that they pay by waiting for 2021 and not doing something this off with, uh, LeBron's championship window diminishing. So, um, those are the types of things that we'll be talking about at locker, lakerholics.com. And, uh, as well as all of the great things that happened in tonight's Lakers win. So I invite everybody to please stop by, um, if you've enjoyed this podcast and, and the discussion between Gerald and Raphael and I, uh, you'll get a great opportunity because there's a lot of great people on the site who who want to share their insights and their observations and, and want to listen and hear what your observations and what you think about and what your takes were on the Lakers' success in this playoffs. And Can I add one thing? For another championship.
1: Why do people say LeBron's championship window is closing? There's no signs, zero. It's signs. because
2: it's because Father Time has usually won in the past, but he's he may not Father be favored Time. with LeBron. I tell you, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I think he's going to be playing in his forties.
1: Did you see him tonight? Like, he's going to play center. You yes. know, I think you're right about that, Raphael. Yes, there's, it's, there's, like if. If you didn't know his age, you didn't know that he came in the twenty oh three draft or whatever, and you watched him play, there are absolutely no signs that says he's in the year seventeen. His he, window he, is he, wide
2: he, he, open. They named the defensive team today or just the second
1: team? Yeah, they named first. He didn't make either neither team. Really? He That's did, a but, team. What? But, mean, he, but you know, he did a playoff all def you know. It would be
0: different. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not getting bad, mad at that because the fact is he when he turns it on, he can be on that first team. The thing is he doesn't always turn it on. Raphael and I, and you and I, Lager Tom, have always talked about this. In a regular season, he cruises. He picks his and, choose. he picks he and chooses cruised. his time.
2: He that may have been true in the previous years, but he hasn't cruised this year. He's definitely been deserving of an all-NBA. I want to see the roster. Anthony Andy, Davis time. has
0: pushed him to play better defense, but there's and no he, he's way made
1: and, AD tougher.
0: But there's <laughs> AD's no...
1: not missing games with a bumped knee anymore.
0: Exactly. So. <laughs> but I will say this: he's made him play better defense during the season. Did AD make the first team?
1: Yeah, he
2: did. Okay. Well,
0: I want to ask this, and I'll just let they say this: he's made AD play better defense. Obviously, he's made uh, AD's made LeBron play better defense, but there's no way, shape, or form has LeBron even kicked it up to this level? Because this is beyond what he was doing in the regular season. And he was very efficient defensively, but he was not playing at this kind of level in the playoffs. So even well, he... Hit is playoff LeBron. Yeah, so he hits the higher gear. So I'm just telling you right now that he was playing at a good level, efficient level, but... I don't think it was all defensive type worthy like he's playing right now because right now he's playing out of this world. On I'll this. respond
2: to that after I take a look at the roster that was chosen. I can
1: tell you who it was. It was two clutch guys. So it was Bron, AD, Ben Simmons, Giannis, and well, you said Bron... I'm sorry, not Braun. So it was Anthony Davis, Ben Simmons, Giannis, um, Rudy Gobert, why, and Marcus Smart. Second team was Pat Beverly, Eric <laughs> Bledsoe, Brook Lopez, Kawhi Leonard, and Bam.
2: I still disagree with that vote.
0: Oh, fair enough. Fair he enough. Could have made second team. But people are of so the yeah, his, lo- oh, go ahead, go ahead.
1: The bronze window is not closing at all.
0: Not anytime <laughs> soon. But if you want to be I part mean, of the conversation, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Last thing about that was I I remember reading people saying, "Well, you know what, Father timed this," and this four months off. LeBron might get old in, 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 this, in this four months off because, you know, you can't have that. And I was like, look, whatever you've seen before, there's no comparison to this guy. He's, he may not be as athletic as he was 10 years ago, but a 15% decline still puts him in the top 1% in the league as far as just athleticism motor. I mean, I've never seen him I mean, I've seen him block shots in transition but I've never seen him blocking shots the way he is this series. He's like a legitimate rim protector. He's like Matumbo yeah. out there. <laughs> so so it's not no. not a better I, combination
2: with LeBron and AD protecting the rim than having yeah. Howard or McGee in there.
1: Yeah, so sorry I went on a tangent there but I, I don't think Ron's window yeah. is closing anytime soon. No, but uh, but there's always that risk. You
2: just never know as a person gets older because at some point in time, all of us, you know, we're going to hit that wall and and Father Time will eventually win. You know, you can, has... postpone it, you can postpone it for beyond, beyond comprehension or expectations, but he's undefeated.
1: That's the one thing you got to say. LeBron has eight years left. (laughs) But we'll wait and see. See
2: I'd love to see six of those
1: as a minimum wage player. Well, he could play the same role magic played in his second stint with the Lakers. Mm -hmm. His IQ is not going anywhere. And then he may even just spot up and shoot threes. I mean, think about Jokic. He is an all NBA performer with zero athleticism. And he's just a high IQ passes the ball I think if LeBron could do the same thing as Jokic. At 45. At 45.
2: If, he got the same calls or if he got the same calls as Luka did, he could still play point guard,
0: too. Yeah. Remember, the oldest Maybe player ever time. in the NBA, I believe, is around 50. There you go.
1: Oh, um, Somebody played uh, at 50.
0: Somebody played. Matumbo no, or, or No, no it happened a while back, I think, early in the early days. I looked it up a little a while back, but, yeah, it happened a while back. So, I think it was either 49 yeah. or 50. But well,
2: if you know that president that could be the only thing that, that could change it if he went into politics.
1: Well, the, there's a there's a rumor and uh, it's comes come from a pretty valid source that Matumbo was a whole lot older than his birth certificate. Yeah, that so could be true. they're saying that he played to like 48. Right. <laughs> well, when you're 7'10", it's a big difference there, too. Well, you know? That's
0: my new ball, too, as well. But I will go ahead and say this. If you want the latest and greatest on the Lakers information, head on over to Lakerholics.com. You'll see all the great articles there by Laker Tom, five things from Jamie Sweet, and also great articles as well from Magic Man, a.k.a. Sean Grice. You'll see great videos from Raphael, and you'll also see stuff from me right there at the Lakers fast break. Well, my friends, it's been great talking to you. Any questions for us at Barlow 500, at NBA Draft Junkies, at Laker Tom, and at Lakers Fast Break, we truly appreciate any shout outs that you give for us. Please support all the stuff that we do as independent podcasters, independent columnists, and an independent site covering the world of basketball. We truly appreciate any support that you can give us. Please go out and vote. Register if you haven't already. Make a change that's going to change our world for the better. This fall, we can go ahead and do things right. We can end systemic racism and fight the injustices that are out there. Please, if you can, do so. Register to vote and make that choice today. We truly appreciate everybody watching. Raphael and I will be back tomorrow for day 21 of the NBA playoffs. Coming right back at you here at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.